0: everyone, it's me, Damien. Uh, Footnotes is going to start in one second, but we recorded this before the news had, had circulated or before anyone was talking about it, but I just wanted to hop on before the episode starts and acknowledge the passing of Todd Youth. Todd Youth, of course, is a legend in music especially hardcore obviously with membership in Warzone zone and murphy's law et etc cetera, etc cetera. but but also played with like glenn campbell played with like all sorts of artists so we will talk about this more next week but first i wanted to hop on here and acknowledge rest in peace todd you thank you for the music to another edition of turned out a punk footnotes I am one of your hosts Damien Abraham and your other host as always is my friend and your friend tool Chris O'Toole Chris how you doing buddy <laughs> good a well, nice pun you like that <laughs> it was well done yeah <laughs> oh now I knocked my mic down with my 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 soda pop I, I this is actually not like that you know really annoying Thing that people do when they refer to like beers as pops yeah. is a real soda. I'm really, yeah, drinking well, I didn't
1: doubt that. I didn't doubt that at all.
0: Well, I'm worried, Chris, that you think I might sell out like a hundred percent. Yeah, you know, I'm like one of those people that just breaks edge and tries to find a way to do it tastefully
1: by <laughs> I'm becoming a...
0: the fucking mascot for weed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, uh. I'm not concerned about the, the that at, at all, to be fair. So I, I don't mind. I don't do whatever you want.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, that's fair because you know what, Chris? You know, I'm just going to do whatever I want anyway. You exactly. Know? I don't need your approval. Yes. Fuck, fuck, <laughs> fuck you, dude. <laughs> just kidding, buddy. How you doing?
1: No, Good, man. Chilling. What are you
0: doing? I'm doing okay. You know, I'm getting ready for tour. Uh, I had to play some gigs in the last couple of weeks. Um, got yeah. to see a future guest of turned It a punk and a nice. former two time guest of turned It a punk. Uh, one Tom Sharpling. I'm not going to say who the future guest is cause that might jinx it happening. Yeah. Um, but Tom Sharpling, I got to see him cause he's in town right now. He, he moved up, you know, the King of New Jersey moved up to Toronto and now he's trying to take, take the crown from from Drake as the king of Toronto.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: You know. <laughs> nice. It's going to be it's going to be a, a a hard a hard fought battle to get that crown off Drake's head.
1: Yes. Well, as far as perception within Toronto absolutely. Yes, absolutely.
0: <laughs> uh but yeah, it
1: With was someone great. Someone who probably doesn't live in Toronto at all. Anyway, go on. Yeah. yeah true. Uh you know, it was great getting to see Tom
0: uh, playing some gigs, uh, and uh, that's that's really about it. I was trying to think if I went to see any gigs. No.
1: Um, trying to think. For, we did this like three weeks ago. Now I think so. I don't know. We we did. Did you go to Swinging Utters? Did you go or no?
0: No, no. I uh, no. I didn't get a chance to go.
1: Yeah, yeah. The uh, so that weekend happened, of course, and then mm-hmm. that was the only thing that I remember. Not that yet it happened, but I didn't see anybody really. This year, well, I saw bands, but I didn't see many people this year. So, you yeah. there any good bands? Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, That's a big punk festival, Chris. You should give a review.
1: Well, I mean, it's. I think people who are familiar obviously have a general idea. I'm trying just to remember all the bands I saw. Um, uh, the one that really stood out for me, being a knucklehead, uh, was Stigmatism, which is Spoilers' new band. Oh yeah. Uh, which I shouldn't lie. just say spoiler. There's other people in it. I just don't know them. Um, Is it all Portugal anyway, people? No, no. It's, uh, it's So far as I could tell, it's like New York people that he's in a band with. I can't, I'm not 100%. But okay. um, anyway, they're really good. Um, Beach Impediment put out the record. It also was a demo cassette at one point. Uh, it's excellent. Very, very like New York Hardcore Warship, first wave, excellent. Um, or sort of, I don't know, first wave, but definitely like early Mad Ball nods in all the right ways. Yeah, say That's um, probably like third wave, right? Yeah. It's not, as soon as I said it, I thought, no, it's, it doesn't sound like the stimulators, for example. Yeah. Like, um, okay. That's like, I would say that's first wave. Yeah. And then you kind
0: of get, uh, that urban waste, uh, yeah, like, that scene. And then you get that AF stuff and then you get the, the youth crease stuff. But I guess that's with the AF stuff, kinda. It all bleeds over. But anyway, Chris, so yeah, like it's Yeah, it's a dedicated.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's got it's not um definitely not youth crew. It's got that more like whatever, like mad bolly sensibilities. Excellent. Very, very good. I highly recommend it. Um Saw Physique, who are excellent. Saw uh, oh who is uh ultra rat were incredible. Uh that seven inch is also very good if if you haven't heard it. Um I'm trying to think who else I saw. I'm just—it's been a few weeks removed now, so I'm a little hazy on it. Um, oh, the old Toronto show, of course, as well, was was great. Oh, you went to that? Um, I did. Um, how it was, was great. It? Um, chronic submission were incredible. Uh, so were sudden impact, and I only those two were the big standouts for me. Oh, micro edge was also very good. Yeah, I was going to say and, how was
0: MicroEdge? MicroEdge, Micro edge to me is the one that has always been one of the most fascinating bands out of Toronto because they were, they've never really gotten the kind of credit, I guess, not having a proper release other than that tape. But, uh, yeah, that's like the, one of the first straight edge bands, certainly in Canada.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, as, as someone who, if for listeners of the show know that I'm not terribly familiar with that demo. So I was going in without like real huge knowledge of the actual material, but as far as they're like them playing and everything that was, they were very good. Um, they kind of, Teed up the other two though because they played right before, so they started to kind of warm up the audience. Nice, I think it was. I want to say there was a band called Creative Zero who opened. They were yeah, a little. They were the first. They were a little, little sloppy, uh, understandably sloppy. Uh, micro Edge was a little tighter, but Chronic Submission were legitimately excellent. <laughs> like they were great, uh, and so it was like Sudden Impact was as well for sure. And it's and, all the original. All mem- we- it's
0: all the original members in Sud- in Chronic Submission, right?
1: Well, that, it, it, I mean, I can't tell some people with age, but I mean, yeah, certainly uh, the singer I could recognize. I don't I don't know about the rest of the, the members. So Rustin is still in the band, though? I don't know. I, again, I don't know the membership entirely, but yeah, it looked too... They didn't mention anything about no original members, so I'm not sure. That That's awesome. That would be, awesome. more, That'd be yeah.
0: so cool to get to see them.
1: They were great, man. They were like, I mean, they were really, 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 really good, like... I think of, there was a few people that we know kind of collectively gushing online about it, but that was not hyperbole. Like, they were really, really good. Um, like I said, those two bands were the particular standout, like them and Sudden Impact, which is sort of not really surprising for people that know those records. I think the only other band that probably could have held up with the two of them would have been Youth Youth Youth, had they reformed and played. Um, but yeah, those two were the standouts for me.
0: I got to you know you, you you fucked up played with uh a couple years ago. I guess yeah. Chronic Submissions done a couple one of the reunion before this maybe. Yeah, yeah, I, that's what
1: I heard, but i never saw it so I don't remember when it was, but
0: yeah. I think it was like mid 2000s. And then of course um uh Sudden Impact done a few over the years too, I believe at this point. Um, yeah. But still like, you know, what a show. You know, hats off to Obviously, Not Dead Yet, but also all the people behind that book. Check out that episode, by the way, if you haven't yet, uh, where we go in detail about Toronto 80s hardcore. Because, yeah, it's a scene that, uh, I don't know, there's very little video footage of. There's very little, like, recordings of and proper documentation of. So it's it's awesome that these bands are hopefully going to get their due.
1: Yeah, I do think that Not Dead Yet documentary, the old one from the 80s, is on YouTube though for people that are not familiar to go check out um also schizophrenic records reissue or not even reissued I don't know how you want to say it like put out a collection release of chronic submission like this whatever like in the last month yeah it uh, just I think I think it came out on that festival on that show yeah yeah and there was like a rare version there that just had like an overlap cover thing um what else there's also the
0: MSI reissue that uh, MSI reissue yep schizophrenic has done as well. Um, there's that hardcore TOHC 81 or 83, 83, uh, bootleg, quote unquote LP that came out or a reissue. Yeah. And with unofficial reissue, with, I guess.
1: Yeah. With that book too, I forgot to mention. So I forgot, I'm, I'm failing to mention negative gain who I was only able to catch sort of like probably a, two or three songs. They were good. But I was sort of bouncing in between gigs, so I, I kind of didn't really get their full set. Uh, yeah. It was good though. Um, but uh, that book—I don't know if you have it. I know you're aware of it, but that "Tomorrow Is Too Late" comp came with the book they had, which has all the sort of like whatever that wave of Toronto stuff, like Chronic Submission, uh, Creative Zero, good End, MSI. Anyway, all that stuff, and uh, the record I've yet to spin, but I'm sure I, I'm going to love it um sons of ishmael's on it of course as well direct action blah 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 uh micro edge track on this as well so fine is this the first or no were they on one of those comps like the mrr comps or something
0: no that's the first i believe um vinyl release they've ever had
1: yeah i'm thinking that's what i was just about to say i i feel like though we did uncover one of the comps that did have them on it like i think it's
0: people. a tape comp right we got to go to the oh, resource Chris. Yeah
1: fire up the resource (laughs) but uh long story short the gig was good and the only thing i wanted to mention as well that i failed to like the book is excellent like i finally got a copy of it and was able to take time and sit down with it it's really really impressive um and the the show was packed like absolutely packed like almost uncomfortably packed yeah it was sold out right yeah that was uh it was pleasant. It was a, like very pleasant to see that that there was a, a huge amount of support for the show. We well, got to fear
0: for a lot of those people. It's like a high school reunion.
1: Yeah, I suppose, but you know, like you and I have seen our fair shares of like reunion-y type things, and you never know quite where the enthusiasm is going to be, right? Like, yeah. So, but it was very, very. I mean, like. I don't know. It was really well supported is what I want to say, which was neat to see. Yeah, no, I think, I think, uh, you
0: know, once again, it's, it's people like you and me that would be there, but I think it's, you know, also a lot of these people coming back out and getting a chance to see all these bands one more time. Uh, but yeah, it's awesome that, you know, that could exist at the same festival as, uh, you know, all these current bands.
1: Yeah, the only difficulty that night is it was up against a really, really good contemporary hardcore show. So it was difficult for a lot of people who wanted to catch all the bands. So mm-hmm. so there were there were some holes for people like myself where we kind of went in between. Um, the thing that we were talking about, by the way, that comp with MicroEdge, the one I found here is called Kill by Tapes, but it's only a CDR. CDR,
0: Chris, does not count.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely does not count. It's like but kissing I thought, a family uh, member. <laughs> so yeah, that is their first seemingly vinyl release. Yep, yeah.
0: and hopefully, I think this demo is going to get a release, a reissue. At yeah, some point. I would, I would think, I would think. <laughs> I would imagine there's only one copy that someone has on Discogs. I think it's Benoit Peppinette
1: of, of the demo. Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. I don't know why. I mean, I'm sure people in Toronto have it, but I've never seen one. I think
0: Benoit has one. Huh. Um, I was, uh, pretty sure.
1: I saw them, uh, I saw them there. We had, uh, well, I'm not going to shout at the establishment because uh, you don't get advertising, but uh, there was a famous late night establishment where people of a certain dietary restriction can eat that uh, we all shared a nice meal at. Oh,
0: well, that narrows it down. I don't even know which
1: place you're talking <laughs> about. but uh, You do,
0: but no one else does. I don't. Well, I really don't. don't. I'm trying to think, What is it the oh, place okay. that we always
1: go to? It's like a 90s place. I'll you that way. Yeah, no, it's the place. They've
0: got good they they do good stuff for dietary restrictions. They do. Okay. They do. When you said anyway. a 90s place, you could have been talking about Buddha's.
1: Yes, it's not that. <laughs> no, that would be amazing true, they yeah. there, There's a few places but anyway. It's, they so, they it's like, slightly
0: if, if they did a pop-up reopening.
1: They have room back.
0: Yeah. That would be when there's like a not dead yet that features like a grade a confined reunion show for the book documenting the Oakville Mississauga scene.
1: Yeah. It's going to be called like, I don't know, uh, bomb the suburbs part two or whatever that damn dude. That's a good reference. I love that
0: book bomb the suburbs. It is. It's a great book. I was just trying
1: to think of something that completely was like, would make sense in title, but not thematically. What about suburban blight? (laughs) Oh yeah, that works. And then it, it. and it will
0: be uh, the reissued tape that comes with it would feature, uh, you know, Crumble, the chokehold side project, or that just <laughs> at the same time feature yeah. songs from Incision and Sun Still Burns yeah. uh, songs off the great demo. Uh, it will be it will be an incredible comp. Actually, I'm really yeah. now I'm getting myself hyped for that era when we're going back and. <laughs> And hearkening back to that period in hardcore, there'll be a big chapter on one of the guests we're talking about today on the show.
1: Yeah. Mike, Mike Alichuk, the youth Crew <laughs> yes, division yes.
0: in an all, uh, <laughs> vegan mosh metal scene.
1: <laughs> yeah. The limited version will have like uh, coupon cutouts from licks, uh, burger, Yo! uh <laughs> shout out for people to get that one comes anyway. with
0: a flyer for the, uh, 10 cent nature burger day.
1: <laughs> I forgot about that That was great by the way
0: I remember going One of those To one of those days Like this is For people that are listening That have no idea What we're talking about Licks is a burger chain Or was a burger chain I think it's gone Into business now there might be Billix,
1: no, There's at least one That still exists But yeah okay. It's yeah. largely uh, Largely gone and it, and it kind of peaked Around
0: The early 2000s Late 90s But in the late yeah. 90s They would have this day Where every year On their anniversary They would have a featured burger super or every year on their anniversary sorry they would have a featured burger that would be like ten cents or thirty cents or something ridiculously cheap, and they made for my money, definitely at the time the best fucking veggie burger you could yeah.
1: find. I feel it still is, I really do and and like there's a lot of talk over a certain other burger, which is excellent, but is sort of sweeping. Like you know, everybody right now, as far as hype, I'll yeah. tell you right now, it doesn't hold, does not hold, even like a tenth of how good a Nature Burger was to me. But anyway, yeah. I'm biased. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like I, I know what you're saying. I think the Licks Veggie Burger compared to that other burger, which I did try as well, I think they're kind of the same. Except the Licks Veggie Burger was so thick.
1: It was. It's just they, they each have their place. I just yeah. what I'm what I mean to say is that burger was. It's hilarious we're talking about this off the top, but it is it is a love of mine um <laughs> <but definitely>, uh, <laughs> can you still buy the frozen ones or are those gone too? No, I think those are all i have they're they're completely out of existence to my knowledge, so I don't know Jeez. if anyone uh, has any knowledge, turn out a at gmail dot com and uh I will drive long distances to get if need be
0: yeah we I remember one night with uh the aforementioned this week's guest, Mike Kalichuk. Uh, Us driving around like Southern Ontario, basically going to all the licks on those cheap days. Cause they would have like a limit one burger per customer visit <laughs> per visit. <laughs> and we were just hitting like, I think we hit like six or seven. <laughs> That's great. It was owned by uh, an Air Canada flight attendant. Really? Cause my mom knew the owner and we used to get free burger coupons when it first opened nice um so yeah it was definitely it is a a cherished memory of mine going to the old licks rest in peace licks rest in peace yes. mom obviously as well but rest in peace licks as well
1: well and, if listeners can paint a mental picture what i want them to picture is you and i sitting in a booth and think of the inside of the first dictators lp yes but instead of White Castle, sub out all that, and it's just like Damien and I sitting in a licks, psyched. And, uh, yeah, that should be the footnotes uh, motif.
0: That would definitely be – someone can draw that up for us. That would be great.
1: Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Did we – we used to go to licks though, right? Yeah, we did. One yeah. opened – when they had their bizarre late expansion, like not too long before they closed. Yeah. Or largely closed, however you want to say it. Um There was one that opened up near where you were living at the time, so we did hit it up quite a bit. We had that one up, and then also we used
0: to hit up the one when we go visit George and Hamilton. It was on
1: Bloor somewhere. Oh, yeah, that one too. But there was one on Bloor. It It was
0: Spadina, just south of Bloor.
1: Or Spadina, pardon me. No, Obviously. no, that's the one I'm talking about. There was another one. This is hilarious, but there was no. one. Heavily, people are like, <laughs> are they ever going to talk about Jerry fucking A or what?
0: <laughs> yeah. So we, whatever. Whatever. It ruled. That's all we need. to do. <laughs> a good. It was a good burger, everyone. And you bet yeah. none of you can try it now because it closed down about six years ago. Well, there's one. You said there's one or two.
1: There is one. I've I've gotten photographic evidence. From two people we both know recently, one being a bandmate of yours, and you can uh, say their names. <laughs> well, just like like Ben, like on this recent tour, Ben, they definitely went. So there's one that exists, I believe. Oh yeah, somewhere. but it's like way. It's it's not in Toronto. I think I th- it's in the Sioux or something.
0: I think I'm I thought it was in sure. further west than that, but maybe I'm maybe you're right. It's just the Sioux. Um, yeah. That you're right. That is incredible. They they did go there. We got to go. We got to make a road trip.
1: Yeah. Well, if you can find, uh, whatever, a reason to be there, then yeah, sir, sure.
0: <laughs> we'll make a road trip. Whoever owns that licks, book us to do a live turn it a punk, uh, podcast. Please.
1: <laughs> that would be awesome. Actually.
0: And, and also fly in, uh, Rick Rubin, please. <laughs>
1: yeah, that too.
0: Um, but anyway, Chris, I guess we should move on to today's episode. Yes. Today I on the show that. we got we got we got some catch up to do.
1: Yes, right? for sure. Yeah, what what uh what okay, so you're talking about the two, yeah.
0: We got two. We have we have two guitarists. One Oh no, two guitarists, sorry. One guitarist, one vocalist, but uh two people that are linked in the fact that I think if there's any bigger influence On Mike Than Poison Idea uh, Then I don't know who it is Because I remember like when we were doing Fucked Up in the very beginning Mike's goal was to try and collect every single Poison Idea Record and was actively Pursuing that and we would Especially especially Feel the darkness We were obsessed with talking about that record And and just obsessed with Obsessing over that band So I think it's very apropos That we have to discuss the two guests together
1: I agreed, and there's a there's one talking point right out of the gate. If we want to get jump in, yeah, please that ties ties them both, which was the, to my knowledge, first shark attack reunion, which was in. I'm Trying to find the year here, I think it's like, two thousand and six. Yeah, it doesn't say a year, but it took place actually. Uh, well, it'll be. I don't know how many years ago now, but. Uh, it was on the 29th of October, and that was uh, a, it was quite a chill. Yeah, that was
0: the. I think that was a fucked up hidden world release. Maybe
1: no, but that was like a Halloween one where you. It was guys one of the Halloween ones, but poison. I thought we did
0: because yeah. we normally try to time around releases. But um, I'm try- I can't remember which one. But yeah, you're right. We did. We did uh, dress up as as the Poison Idea. I forgot that totally. We did a Poison Idea cover
1: set. Well, you did – I don't know if you did – you did um, the intro. We did. To we feel did, the, the darkest thing you did just to get away for sure. I can't remember what else though. I it think we you. did um, – fuck.
0: Hangover Heart Attack. Yeah. Uh, we did – and maybe one other song. And then we did No Warning Songs. And yeah, that's we what did, you did.
1: Yeah.
0: And we did something else too. I thought we were like doing a bunch of different songs.
1: Yeah, but you did all dress up as them. Yeah. Each member dressed up as a different point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, we dressed you up. you did a dead on. Like, your, 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 like, attire was, like, perfect Jerry A 80s. Like, it was great.
0: Oh, that, I I appreciate that, Chris. Well, because, like, I've said it before on the show, and I think we even talked about this before on this show. He is, like, to me, like, the perfect vocal.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, he's hard, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to, what I liked, what I always liked about him is he was so distinct when you hear it, like you don't mistake him for anybody. And so that's what, you know, first, probably when I first heard them drew me to it, but yeah, he's an amazing vocalist.
0: Yeah, no, he is, he is absolutely, totally awesome. And I, I really, I don't know, I really think he's a, uh. He he's like one of those one of those guys that just has like incredible taste and like just loves music and I think that really came across again this time.
1: <laughs> yeah. I thought the first one was good, but this one was probably this one filled in some gaps like that I I ex- didn't expect it to fill, which is cool. Um but yeah, I don't know what you want to do here, jump chronologically like do Mike stuff first or Jerry stuff or both or jump around. I don't know. Um, I uh, I guess we should do both. Maybe jump around. I'm, I'm good for whatever. Sure. Um, let's point. do Mike's first. Let's do
0: Mike's first. All right. Okay. So Mike Halichuk, my bandmate, my former roommate, my uh, friend, my uh, nemesis at times, uh, but, yeah, someone who has uh, played a huge role in my life and someone that you've known for a very long time, too, as you are once again a former bandmate of his,
1: Chris, as you are mine. <laughs> well, I think that's overstating it, but, yeah. I, I And also, I, I've known of Mike, yes, for years. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I know Mike to the level you do. But, uh, yes, I enjoy him very much, although we've shared very few words, as I'm sure most people would have that. A very similar experience with Mike. Um, yeah, yep. I think that's the thing, which is why this this interview was. Sorry, go on. No, no, no. Go on. You go on. I was just going to say that's why this was so like captivating at point at moments because there was just things they did not expect to be spoken of, which was cool. Yeah, like I
0: think the first half of this interview obviously was plagued or maybe aided by uh, Mike's consumption of cannabis someone asked me how much cannabis he consumed i'm not going to go into the gory details but uh i did not give him a dab don't worry it was just a bowl and uh but he got pretty high <laughs> he got pretty high there okay. some-
1: <laughs> i didn't think though like you you had told me that ahead of time as well i didn't think it i really didn't think it hindered the interview i i, I like even when it kind of just cuts i didn't I didn't expect it to end there. So I don't know. I didn't see it as being a, uh, like a hindrance. I thought it was good.
0: Yeah. I thought it, I thought it was, um, <laughs> I, I thought it was, uh, I don't know. <laughs> there were points where he's mouthing to me, like I'm too high <laughs> and like, holy shit. So I think without the visual aid, maybe it doesn't come across on the audio recording about how truly, uh, on the next plane of existence. He was at that point,
1: I guess his composure seemed okay to listen. That that's all I'm saying. He's got a decent poker face. That guy. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, but no, he is, he is without a doubt. One of the most interesting people I know. So to get him on the show finally was a big thrill. Uh, and yeah, Chris, let's go, man.
1: Um, what, uh, what kind of, where should we go? Well, um, a lot of things amuse me, starting with the dueling uh, uh, perspectives of your first meeting, which were highly entertaining. Yes. Um, specifically, as him, <laughs> because you were wearing a collared shirt thinking you guys are posers, which was hilarious. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of. I got to reiterate of- that he was
0: being dropped off at a concert that I went to with my friends by ourselves by his mom.
1: <laughs> yes so they're like look the at interview. these
0: losers being dropped off by their mom
1: <laughs> I think actually that whole story in both perspectives sum up the relationship you two have perfectly I think it's
0: one of the weirdest things ever that that happened like granted when we met each other it was only three years removed from that but yeah. so like we both had pretty clear uh, recollections of that event but like yeah. the fact that like we would go on to play such huge roles in each other's lives and our very first interaction happened at both of our, like, realistically first real punk rock concert attempts.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like that, it's cosmic have, at that point. Yes. And you both have a very – uh Cynical view of the other yes. which is not which has not stopped <laughs>
0: so. no I think that's the other thing is it you really get to see that this relationship started on a sour note <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes I don't know if it continues and nor should you share, but I just mean it was that was amusing for me as as someone who observes it uh, on occasion and uh is always intrigued
0: yeah like i i think i I think this was um certainly a uh a real like look inside what a fucked up tour van experience is like, especially the second half of the episode when Jonah was there, just kind of like silently cackling away in the background and just piping in with like actual complete sober recollection of every event we're talking about. Uh, that, (laughs) that is what a fucked up tour van ride is like as once again, you can attest to Chris.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That that is a weird experience. Yeah. I, I can concur on that one and i've been in a few few different type of van scenarios um yeah i don't know i just thought i thought it was very good i i think we're kind of like because you and i of course have a familiarity obviously um i think we're like being humorous about it but i really do think that it was very 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 good i think there was a lot of insight in there that i hope isn't lost on people that i think is uh I just think it's highly important. I, I think Mike is one of those people, but he's a very understated human being, and mm. uh, I think a lot of people misconstrue it, uh, myself included, probably at times over the years. And I think listening to some of his, not only whatever his journey, but his recollection of like, uh, whatever his is like his his vision on what like certain things about the band you're in and all that, I think are very very I don't know. I think they're highly important. I think he's one of these people that. Uh, certainly people know of as being influential, but I think his influence is uh is a lot greater than people acknowledge at present. That's all I'm trying to. Say. Yeah, look, no, I think he, I, do the,
0: I think he is definitely, um, you know, like an underrated guitar player, you know, and and songwriter and <laughs> stuff. And I'm, I don't mean that because like because I think I get way more of the credit. For all that stuff, like I think people think I'm like way more <laughs> behind the scenes doing shit than I really am. Like, there's so much of this band is Mike.
1: Yes. Well, my laughter there to, to just to disclaim was that it sounded like a backhanded compliment. That's why I was laughing. That's no, I think Mike's a great guitar player, actually. But the uh, but yes, I agree. I, and that's that's kind of my point. You're illustrating it a lot more direct, but I, I do think you know. When things were brought up, I'm trying to remember specific, like, thoughts of, like, early fucked up stuff. It, it's very clear. Well, you both, actually, to me, are the, the ones who are the most, well, to my knowledge, are the most responsible for the direction of the early, sort of what, what fucked up became as an entity. Of course, Mike, the lion share, perhaps. But you two, I think, are both the brain children. Yeah, like, I think Mike, very
0: much the aesthetic and all the un... I guess non-public stuff that was going on because anyone that wants to hear a super amazingly awkward uh, Mike interaction definitely has to listen to our appearance on House of Strombo this coming Sunday if you're listening to the show when it when it comes out um, because it it's like Mike was intentionally trying to make that interview as awkward as possible. <laughs> <laughs> like he's standing like three feet back from the mic, just like half-ass answering George's question. And I like walk over and I just like shove the mic in his face. And then at one point, George is like asking all of us questions. I look over and Mike's talking to Jonah. Just like <laughs> chatting away with Jonah in the middle of the set, In not middle of the set, like middle of the interview, which is while we're playing a set
1: type thing. It was just like, God damn it, dude. Well, that brings me to, I guess, another point. I'm fascinated and I believe it, although you were pushing back pretty hard about it, that he did not care about the cult of personality with punk. Uh, he didn't care about the people in punk. I believe flat. that. I think you – no, know, he
0: hit a turning point and that happened. A hundred percent he was as obsessed as I am. You know, And that's one of the things that I think bothers me is – and I think affected Mike's relationship with and Mike and my relationship, I should say is the fact that he, he, like, he just like changed so much at a certain point, <laughs> like just so much just became so cynical. And uh, yeah, like we were in a, in university, first year university, second year university or whatever. I think it was second, third year, no third and fourth year university we were living together um, in that spot. And it was like, it was just like a punk think tank. It was almost like we were only going to the university just to get access to the library because yeah. the library had like all these awesome old music books. Um, we were just like studying that stuff, and he was like collecting, and he's just like you know so into it. And then something happened.
1: <laughs> well, I'm not sure what, but I I do the the picture you both paint of that time is very nice to hear. I- someone who didn't actually know either of you personally in those years. But um, yeah, I I don't like, I know what you're like, I know what you're saying. I've never known that Mike, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So I I don't know how to, to, to articulate that, but, um, but I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's, you know, I don't know. People change. I don't know what else to say.
0: (laughs) People change, you know, and, and I, I guess maybe I'm, I've changed a lot, you know? Well, I'm definitely I'm the first to acknowledge that, but I think, uh, it's just, it's just my relationship to this music. I don't think ever changed, you know, maybe my, my relationship is being an active participant in the local scene changed at a certain point because like you, you kind of have to pass off the reins to the next generation to kind of do their thing and then they'll pass it off to the next generation so they'll do their thing and make it their own scene, um, But at the same time, like, I still love this music in the exact same way as I always did. And I think Mike does deep down, but he's just, like, buried it under this, like, wall of, like, cynicism and just, like, you know, just, like,
1: over it. Yeah, but I I don't know. Again, you're closer to it. I don't. I don't perceive it that way myself. So I I don't know, perhaps it's just your friendship where you, where you feel that that's the case. I don't
0: know. Yeah. Like we, we, you know, when also I had kids, so I think that also changed our relationship in a big way. And we went on tour together for a long time and that changes your relationship with people in a big way. So, you know, like it, it was just a natural change and I'm, I'm overstating it. Like, I don't care that much, but at the same time, it's funny to like, think of, that Mike versus the Mike now.
1: Sure. but again,
0: Mike yeah. made fucking food for Dillinger escape plan. <laughs> uh, botch. He was obsessed with that botch record. He was like, this is like the best record ever. And, and, um, Jesuit. So like he could act like he was, you know, like he's above it now, but there was a time, Chris, there was a time where Mike was like sweating over a hot stove cooking up a vegan mess that these bands did not touch
1: at all. <laughs> I love that. I love that story. I also love the story of the the paying the band not to play that That, that was classic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't, I've never heard of that either. That, that's a great move. <laughs>
0: uh, there were, there were some of those shows that Mike did that were just, Incredible. Like our first show together with that Don Louis band or the second show, the second show we played, there's literally two people that paid. And in Panther UK, United 13 had like driven up from like Florida. They're playing like (laughs) two people. (laughs) And then us. Like we didn't even have friends that could come. like. Well, (laughs) now I'm putting myself in in Panthro's shoes and I would have been so like so pissed. You guys don't (laughs) even have like a friend you can invite each.
1: (laughs) Oh, well, I'm amused. Okay, so the the next topic that I'd like to touch on since we're rolling here is uh, the Chris Callahan connection. Mm -hmm. to you both Mm -hmm. and sort of how pivotal that is so obviously a lot of listeners know of chris Callahan. there is a you know the Callahan fandom exists and he is a lovely human being um but i had never realized the level that at one point when mike starts being in bands with him that you're is that because you went away to school was that the difference there is that what happened yeah, I went away to school and cuz I had been I like
0: I was I had roadied for the swarm and uh you know like and when I left like I Chris and I were like close. I think probably closer than Mike and he were at the time. But then yeah. I left and they and they became like a unit. Yeah. Leading up to Ruination.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that that whole that whole idea of like you returning to find him in the sort of in bands with Chris, whatever, and and that sort of whatever. Oh, there's an
0: amazing – I forgot to tell you. The story of the first Ruination practice, there was another person that was supposed to be in the band, and Chris and Mike went to this guy's house, and they're knocking on the door, and then there's no answer, and they're sitting there, and they can just see him driving by in his car.
1: That's great. Yeah, yeah. I have heard that story before. That's amazing. (laughs) Which is
0: very very much a theme, I guess, that runs through Mike's band experience (laughs) a lot. (laughs) <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> totally um what was the other thing there was something i was going to touch on but yeah Colin. okay so so ruination let's let's get into ruination so i present another case for why i think ruination are a decent group uh-huh. which is the dawn fury session uh-huh. it's huge that's huge it's a it's a good record
0: it's okay. It's like, I, they're, they're good, right? They're a good band, but do you think they're like as good as the, sum of the parts, you know, like, you know, like, uh, like the parts for that band, like,
1: yes, and, all, all the other members now are more notable in other groups for sure. But for they also sure. the, even then they were,
0: except for Mike.
1: <laughs> well, fucked up had not been a thing yet. So no,
0: no, exactly. And, like, and no. no one was talking about where it ends. Believe me. But, like, you know, like you had Left 4 Dead and the Swarm, you had Earth Mover, and you had Charles uh, Bronson, yeah, Charles Bronson and Los Crudos.
1: Yes, exactly. So, obviously, the latter of those, of course, was more important. Um, But, yeah, like, I get what you're saying. I just mean that that's a group that now, in hindsight, and perhaps some of the records don't hold up in the way people might want them to, but I think those records are fine. But I think that's like that idea of them doing that session in those years was cool. Like, I, I think that's a bizarre, um, yeah, I, I just think it, it's a cool vibe. If another group had done it, I think we would be a little more in praise of it. But because you have a contentious relationship with that group because of Mike, <laughs> you have a different view. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I, I You know, I don't think it's because of Mike's, my, my relationship. I think it's, I think, uh, you know, I like that band. I think that band's great. Um, but I just like busting on them. <laughs>
1: Yes, agreed. That band but is awesome. My- Ruination has some amazing songs. Yes, and and like I just want to say that I thought I've always thought that was cool. And hearing the story again, having sort of forgotten about it over time, that I, like the fact that they went out of their way to do that is I still think is cool. Although, and they got better got once
0: to- Mike left.
1: <laughs> well, not because Mike
0: was out of the band, but just like that's when they, you know, like, you know, like from that Dawn Fury seven inch session on. They became like a real band.
1: I get what you're saying, yeah.
0: And Mike was like out after that Dawn Fury session and then Jamie Towns joined and, and yeah. you know, kicked ass. And that band, you know, became like, you know, that's when I think they put out their best stuff.
1: And Yeah, that's the only time I saw them was with her. I never saw them with Mike. So it must have been near their end. Did they play Toronto? Well, I guess that Jamie show, right? They did once, definitely with Jamie. Um, I'm trying to remember who else played that show. It was at the Elmo Combo upstairs, the old Elmo Combo, of course. Yeah. Um yeah. I'm trying to remember who else was on the bill, though. I cannot remember.
0: It must have been like a UN show, and they would have been opening for someone,
1: I would imagine. Definitely, yeah. It was. Oh, boy, oh, boy, that's bad. I can't remember, but I can't remember.
0: UN put together legit some incredible bills. Like having oh, like course. random bands open for like the no warning swing and utter show. Um, there was, I'm trying to remember who played someone really awesome played that uh Madball Blood for Blood show first.
1: Madball Blood, Cro- Blood combo, definitely. maybe
0: <laughs> that'd be amazing. <laughs> there was like, there was like a bunch of shows where it'd be like this random kind of like Toronto opener, and you're like, this somehow really works.
1: <laughs> nice. I think it was No I Warning
0: cannot... Kid Dynamite too.
1: Okay, I don't. These are I've never. I wasn't at any of those. I've seen most of those bands on different shows in Toronto, but not those. Um, but anyway, I cannot remember who played with them at this show. I think it was some kind of weird, like punk fest thing. It wasn't like a. It was like. It was some weird, uh, from what I can, little I can recall, it was some like, not even a fest, but like, it was definitely like a large, like a band with a lot of bands, like a bill with a lot of bands on it. But I do not remember any other band on the bill. I can't, I cannot remember. It's funny because I've, my memory's like impeccable
0: for 90s shit and early 2000s. And then it just like gets terrible. And then it's better in modern times again.
1: This was yeah, I don't know. This was like two thousand or two thousand one, maybe? Anyway. But yeah, I never I never saw them with Mike is the point. So I don't I don't have any live recollection of Mike with that group. But um I do find him touring and selling his own <laughs> merch incredible though.
0: Dude, it was the funniest vibe. <laughs> like we had a separate touring car and dude, our touring car was <laughs> Lisa, Mike, and then Josh, Nathaniel and myself in the back seat.
1: <laughs> nice,
0: and I think at one point we even had Timmy Hefner in the back seat too.
1: We had was like he, a, what, where was this tour?
0: It, it was the it was the East Coast, but before we brought him to meet actually David Up because oh. Rudation played with uh, Tear It Up on that tour, and that was oh, our okay. that was our first time, I guess, meeting those guys too. I had that show at ABC No Rio, and and I remember there's like four
1: people I think in the back seat from the drive from like Philadelphia <laughs> to New York. Wow. See another another good move though. You know they played ABC No Rio. Yeah. These, these are all these are all points for Ruination. Big points. No
0: Ruination. Like you know they did some great things. You know like they did some great things. I'm just saying, Chris. Like <laughs> imagine it had the breakdowns of of Earthmover. The speed and intensity of um, Charles Bronson and Los Crudos. And then, you know, the weird, weird swarm stuff. Imagine all that in one band.
1: <laughs> Regardless.
0: <laughs> anyway.
1: Anyway. I don't know what else I other, um, other points. I like your shout out to Dara. Dara is a very nice human being who actually yeah. I ran into at the, at the aforementioned fest off the top of the show. And he gave me a zine for you. So I have a zine for you from him. Oh, really? That's awesome. I can't yeah. Wait. And I yeah, believe he gave tapes to Jonah for you as well. Oh, well, hopefully Jonah gives those to me. <laughs> so, so yes, to continue on the theme, Dara is still very nice. It's 2018. Nothing has changed.
0: No, he, he is still like one of the first people that you will just approach someone in like, and in like in a really awesome, like, hey, welcome, like, this is punk, you know? And I remember like meeting him and it's a very similar story to like Mike's story about meeting him where he was just like, yeah, like, you know, very open. And I think Toronto had a much older scene, you know, yeah. like there was like a gap, an age gap it felt like between the scenes. Like there was a lot of kids that were kind of closer you know, in the age gap, I guess that were in the suburbs at the time, but like downtown sort of like, we were lucky that a lot of these older people were like super cool and, and really kind of, you know, would make you tapes would like, you know, tell you about bands would like, you know, talk to you at a show when it was your first time going to a show and you didn't know anybody. Like it was, I like, I love that scene that we had back then. Like I took it for granted, you know, but I look at it now and I'm like, wow, what it was, it was really small, really fucking small. But everyone was like super nice.
1: I mean, I don't have again these interactions with people in those years, some of them, but uh yeah all the all the individuals that which you're citing I can definitely i have I now have knowledge of or'm pals with, so yeah, I would agree. I don't think those people have changed. I think even Chris is a good example of that,
0: yeah. No, I don't think,
1: Callahan, that is.
0: Pardon me. yeah, Chris Callahan too. That's like another one. That's like another great example of someone who was just like super welcoming a Obviously who who's come up on the show m- many times yeah. over the years, who still is a massive presence, I believe in Southern Ontario punk, even though he's been gone for a, quite a number of years, but he, he was, you know, the embodiment of that kind of like mentality. And I imagine he would have been that person for a lot of the older people too. Or older yeah, than I us, people. So. I should say, not that they're elderly.
1: No, no. I get. Yeah, I I know what you're saying, but yeah, like I think that's accurate. I th- I do think there was something in that generation of people that sowed some really great seeds, if you will. And uh, it's it's weird because it does, you know, things do change <laughs> in the decade. Uh, sort of, I think that we're most, well, certainly you, uh, but from the outside, that I was most experiencing. Mm. Uh, but I do think all of those people that, that change in decade, I think despite growing pains is in hindsight, I think it's, it's sort of even out. I think like a lot of people are, if you look at uh, almost all of the people involved since like the Dara generation, almost all of them now are, you know, are people that I would say are like very approachable and very, you know, cordial and, and whatnot. Mm. I think a lot of it's just, you know, youth.
0: Yeah. No, I think, I think it's definitely youth. I think also, that I'm just thinking about this. Maybe it's that the fact that we did have kind of a generation gap in Toronto. Why, when all the bands start coming out, everyone wanted to play like old school thrashy hardcore and no one really wanted to do like, you know, modern hardcore. It's because you're being Were schooled you, which by bands are you referring to though, which I mean, like, which I'm thinking groups... about career suicide. I'm thinking about fucked up. I'm thinking about, just okay, like so all that, okay. that era of bands, like when bands kind of found their own, when bands were really finding their sound, it's like, you know, like you wanted to sound like, like an old school hardcore band, because that's kind of the stuff you were told to buy when you went to the record store.
1: Yeah. I think it also though was, I mean, I think it was a, the, a proper reaction to another very, like, if you think about the late, I guess I don't know what years technically fucked up and Cruise Suicide start as examples, but I don't think it was the 90s, right? I think it was at least 2000s. Oh, it was 2000s, yeah.
0: But I'm saying, like, those, yeah. like, that was like, you know, like I remember uh, the Bastard record coming out, that CD reissue. Yeah. And that was a big deal in Toronto because of Simon Harvey making it a big deal. I remember people what? lining up for it. Like, it was like a supreme sneaker drop. Or something, a supreme, <laughs> supreme like scale drop, or some other
1: supreme yeah. bullshit yeah.
0: houseware item they're putting out now. But like, <laughs> at at like you know like, but only like ten people. But we were all lined up to get the bastard CD the day they came in. Um, but that was just because that's we were like hip to that stuff because the scene was kind of telling us about it. I don't know, maybe I'm just yeah. maybe I'm totally talking to my ass on this, but I was just thinking about that. Like there was kind of a distinct generation gap, like in Toronto, like most of the people were you know teenagers, and then the older people were like you know turning in their thirties, you know there weren't a lot of twenty year olds at the time,
1: yeah, I agree I think you're bang on as far as the generation gap i think the the stylistic difference with with what some groups had been doing to what the the next wave of the like your group or a crew suicide or even the no warnings or whatever. Although I think no warning is the interesting case. Cause no warning did sound like a contemporary hardcore band still, still do. So it's well, yeah, the they, they do. But I
0: think like, we got to remember when they started as we once were in walls yeah. around us, they were like, just like a, or sorry, as we once were right. That was that way. Yeah. They were like, just like a straight up youth crew band, like old school That's style yeah. youth crew band. Yeah. And then almost like a reaction to everyone else. They were like, yeah, fuck you. We like mad ball now.
1: Yeah. Which again, but I think like in contrast to like say Cruise Suicide, yeah. as an example, Cruise Suicide, you know, always had that signature, even with the weird lineup. Cruise Suicide and fucked up, respected our elders, and that was the difference between. <laughs> the Regardless, what I mean is, yes, the generation gap existed, but the the more, I think everybody who who started those groups all had esoteric tastes that led to the the sonic imprint of these groups. And I cite these three specific groups, not intentionally leaving any others out. But to me, these were the, uh, you know, obviously present company I can acknowledge in saying this. I think those three groups are probably, at the time, were probably the biggest tastemakers in the, in the scene at the time.
0: And I'd also so, add Brutal knights to that. And I would say that Brutal Nights is also, I think, I'm going to cite as evidence for my theory, too.
1: Yes, great group too. I mean, Incredible like, band. Incredible. Like,
0: band. They're, they are one of the bands that I think, you know, uh, that is a band that's equal to some of their parts. Like great, great. <laughs>
1: that's, that's what I wanted Ruination to be. <laughs> <laughs> I still, uh, I still really, really enjoy the, the Brutal Knights. Uh, well, it's the CIUT or whatever, but it's the equalizing and Distort Session, their first one. Yeah. I still really like uh, I mean, I'd really like all, but I, that I could listen to that regularly. Like that's my favorite thing they did for whatever bizarre reason, but uh, yeah, great group. But An of course, like group. you, you know, you've talked about teen crowd and whatever too. So like we give them their fair shake on this show for sure. Yeah. Teen
0: crowd, we give it, we give a lot more, I think, uh, talk time to than we do the brutal Knights. But I think brutal nights is definitely like, you know, the 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 next logical step for, um, you know, Nick and was Jamie in that bin? No, Jamie was never in that bin, Sorry. Um, for Nick and then, you know, John doing hacks on stuff
1: too. Yeah. John, uh, speaking of that played with micro edge. I feel like I can't remember. He that's filled awesome. in for- I feel like it was micro edge. Cause I believe the others played, as original lineups as they had. Again, I don't know memberships. But, yeah, I think it was Microwave. So, John. yeah, he filled in.
0: Well, John was in Chokehold. So it's yep. only natural that he would be in another legendary uh edge band.
1: <laughs> yeah. But speaking of which, back to that, too, I just forgot. I, yeah, he did fill in for them, uh, which is pretty – Yeah. He is a, he. There, he is one of the. We probably talk about different people on the show. He's definitely a journeyman as far as, like, the people that really like make this shit happen in oh, terms yeah. of like performing. I've seen him do a lot. Speaking of brutal Nights as well. Anyway,
0: um, I think hacksaw also is like talk about a fucking underrated Toronto band.
1: Yeah, cool band. They came to my area, so my first sort of thing with I again I don't know him really, but. My first time really seeing him perform was really with that group. Yeah. And then I never associated him with the punk scene. I saw I always would see him down here with like I guess Hacksaw was a punk band, like but they they were more like a garage band to me or whatever. They didn't really play with punk bands in my in my area. But uh anyway, yeah, so that was my first time seeing them. They were always cool too. Like all those bands were always neat, like again, it was a different time. So, you know, like that band had a different impact for me than they may have today if they existed. But yeah, very cool.
0: Yeah, no, they, they are, you know, like, I think that was the thing is, is Toronto has so many bands that just came and had their moment and then never really got out of the city, but they toured, they did tour, but it's just, I, I this, it never ceased to amaze me. What a treasure trove this place is for great bands. I'm sure everyone feels that way about their hometown though.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like I I think like with, with if anything the Mike thing, the Mike interview revealed is that it just it traces a nice lineage for people who don't who weren't there for aspects of it. So it kind of because I don't, you know, for the, especially for the younger people that that follow your group specifically or even are just interested in punk, they might not know Mike. You know, if they know who he is, they might not know the extent to his involvement way back when or what have you. Mm -hmm. So that's what I thought it was a really, really good, um, indicator of, or what have you.
0: Uh, and one thing we got to talk about when we talk about John Charant before we move on entirely from this topic is the fact that in addition to all the bands he's played in, he also played in union of Uranus. Yeah.
1: Yeah, The best one for me. Not
0: a great name.
1: I don't even mind. It's fine. I'm okay
0: with it. Um, but the, one of the best bands ever from Canada.
1: Great. Love it. That That's probably still, if I were to actually line up all his groups, that's still probably my favorite. Oh, Rammer. He played on that first Rammer 12-inch. Yeah, they were deadly. That is a good point. Rammer, real good then, too. I mean, they're always good, but that, you're right. Yeah. He played Yeah, he played anyway. it on,
0: like, he's he's one of those guys, like, you're right, like, a total... You know, like that's one of my favorite things that comes up on the show as well, is like people that were able to do it multiple times, like not just yeah. being one great band, but being like a bunch of cool bands and all different kind of genres and or subsects of punk. And and that's kind of what John yeah. did.
1: No, totally. And he's still, I mean, still still going, suicide, obviously. Still, but I mean, yeah, like that's
0: yeah, yeah. that's a career he built he established himself with. He played in Union of Uranus, Chokehold, Career Suicide. I remember he's also in Career Suicide. I always forget that. Yep. Uh, Micro Edge, Brutal Nights, hacksaw, of course, and and,
1: and Rammer. Well, to, the only, to, obviously, I don't believe he was an original in Micro Wedge, but yes, he filled. Well, we're going to say it. we're going to give it to him now, Chris. Yes, <laughs> just just for clarity for people out there who are might have the wrong idea or have a bone to pick over that, but yeah, he's great.
0: All right. Well, now we've talked about John Charron for a good. Ten minutes. <laughs> I gotta get on the show. Like that's the one I've i wanted to have on yes. the show for a long time. So yes, you do. You
1: that definitely will be, do.
0: That'll be hopefully an upcoming episode. Next time I run into them, I will make this happen. Um but let's move on. Any more points you want to get into about this mic thing?
1: Uh there probably are, but I think we've talked really yeah, we Canadian-centric, talked to, yeah. really Toronto-centric, so we should probably get to this some of the Jerry A stuff.
0: Yeah, let's just get just to get away from talking about Mike, oh, nice <laughs> talking about Jerry a for a minute. Uh, Jerry came back to the show in a big way. He hit me up uh, and was like, Hey, can I send you, um, you know, a package and sent me the CD, the, of feel the darkness, the reissue that just came out. And I gotta say, if you have not picked this up, if you don't own a copy of this record, that's your first move is getting a copy of this record. But this is one of those reissues that I think really kind of does justice to the record and there's all sorts of bonus stuff on it. It looks amazing. It's It's a gatefold. Um, yeah, like I, I'm very happy to have this now and I got to get it on vinyl obviously as well, but happy to have the CD for now. So I hit them up to come back on the show and yeah, it happened and it was
1: glorious. Well, you know, the first one was excellent. So, obviously any yeah i'm not shocked it was great <laughs> it was yeah. absolutely great.
0: yeah no it really it really like he came in and, and he came in with all guns blazing and like there was stuff i was going to like ask him and i'm like i wonder how he's going to answer this and like i wonder where he's going to go with this but god man there's you know that guy has nothing to hide
1: well i don't know i just thought uh yeah i don't know where where do you want to begin there's so there's, there was so much good stuff on that
0: yeah, where should we start? I guess let's start with um, uh, I don't know, like, where where did you want to start?
1: Okay, well, sub pop stuff, let's yeah. get to that. Yeah. So, the story of sub pop, the payment, and the forcing him to whatever sign over his paycheck from whatever fast food joint I can't remember the dude's name, whoever owns sub pop, one of the two dudes. I think he uh, said Bruce Pavitt did it, right? Yeah, um. Great story, like kind of like, you know, very much a story of its time. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, yeah, that, the idea that, like on the topic of sub-ops, so that alone was an, a massive story. But the, Jerry talking about writing, uh, taken by surprise is like a, like what, like he said sort he of wrote it in like 10 minutes or something?
0: Yeah, he said he wrote it in like 10 minutes, right? Like he went into the room yeah. and he wanted to write a single
1: yeah so I had known uh, like a friend of mine I met through touring and whatnot. that was his I, th- I don't know if I'd go on a stretcher, but that was like his favorite poison idea song as well, and really? so it's funny hearing that tale. yeah, he just loved that song. I don't know what it was, like he just loved it. It and sounds uh, like i like there's an
0: alternate universe where everything is right in the world, and in that universe, poison idea became like a monstrously huge band. Yeah. And that song you could hear echoing in a stadium, and like everyone just singing along.
1: Yeah, agreed.
0: Um, it would be that would be awesome.
1: It's the alternate reality you're describing, where instead of "Smells Like Teen Spirit," that breaks. Yo, then, you know, I
0: and mean? <laughs> they're the Nirvana. Yes, I I think Jerry's very handsome and a much more handsome man than myself but I don't know if they would have been able to overtake the Kurt Cobain baby blue eyes, even in our alternate universe.
1: I get what you're saying, but I'm just, let, let's just embrace this for a minute. Let's just think of the the world of difference. And that's no shade to Nirvana. As we know, I, I quite love yep. Nirvana. Yep. But.
0: Yep. Oh, you know, that's like, yeah, like that story about Pantera, I think is amazing because it kind of illustrates it. Like, yeah, this is like, the band that's that good. So like, so good that even when Pantera heard them after being you, them being used to diss them, we're like, <laughs> yeah, fuck it. The guy's right. There's been fucking rocks.
1: I love that story too. Cause like, assuming that is true, that's a, that's an insane thing. I always assumed it was just, you know, like whatever, whomever liked old punk and that's how, it, you know, that that cover came about and that whatever I wouldn't ever never have thought <laughs> It was someone essentially saying, "Like you guys aren't, you know, doing the right thing to do this, <laughs> like as an example." Um, but yeah, incredible. Like that—that that is a great anecdote for whatever, like, oh, like whatever hard rock music, however you want to say it.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's one of my all-time favorite stories that's been told in this show. I think, and yeah, once again, great. who knows if it's just legend, but. You know, as John Ford said, "Print the legend."
1: <laughs> totally.
0: Don't do anything else. And, John
1: Ford said or did, but you know, print the legend. <laughs> well, and furthermore, like sonically, again, there's, I'm sure there's fans of different groups who listen to the, you know, this show, obviously, but like, yeah, like it's that is not an inaccurate statement. I mean, like those records, like like people, the the perception that there are groups that have this sort of hard, you know, sonic template and and. I'm not going to take anything away from the, the good records that that band put out, but they're nothing compared to any poison idea record for me. So, uh, I feel that statement a hundred percent.
0: Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, yeah, like they're you know, and you don't even like feel the darkness that much. Me? Oh, I do very much. I just, but you don't think it's the best record.
1: Well, see, this is the, this is an interesting debate. So, If someone were to press me, as you are now, I would say, like, if I had to give, like, someone had no uh, knowledge of this group at all, I would probably, and even say they had a limited knowledge of punk, period, or whatever, aggressive music at all, I would give them probably Feel the Darkness, because I think it's probably the most, whatever, concise, like, well-rounded. I think it's the peak of what the vision of this group was was meant to be, is how I would say it. Mm Mm-hmm. But my like my knucklehead favorite thing they ever did was Kings of Punk, but it's just because I feel it's it's both are perfection, but they're just different kinds of perfection. For me, it's like I like like Kings of Punk is the is the monochromatic, you know, version of, of that and, uh, it's like a perfectly full spectrum painting that is like everything about it is perfect.
0: Yeah, I so agree. That, it's that's, like that's, it's it's much more like a punk rock record than it is like a like a punk hardcore record
1: yes but take nothing away like it's still as you know it's still very it's still really hard like it's got oh it's hard yeah but but like I don't know Kings of Punk for me is like it's probably Kings of Punk for me honestly is is top three like all day long like I really really love that 7-inch I think it's absolutely brilliant Uh, I think it sounds amazing I think the speed is like just crazy so that that's just my affinity with that record. I don't know what it is. And I own, I'm fortunate enough to own an original of Kings of Punk for that very reason. So yeah, like I, I just, that's, so when we talk about me not liking, no, I love Feel the Darkness, but I definitely, yeah, Kings of Punk just tends to win out for me on that sort of whatever criteria.
0: I hear you on that and I respect your opinion does, <laughs> as, as always, but uh, I Yeah, like, I just think this is, like, such a, to me, like, a perfect hardcore record. Like, really.
1: It is. I think, like, I wanted you to ask him more about the um, uh, Feel the Darkness, the song. Yeah. Because the choices on, like, there's so many choices on this record that are really interesting, and that could have went, done by another group, could have gone horribly wrong, Mm -hmm. uh, as far as, like, kind of almost what we've discussed previously on the show is, like, departure leanings uh but one of them if you think of that like of of feel feel the darkness like i think it's like the i think i want to say it's brush drums like he's using i think brushes
0: yeah it's brushes brushes,
1: it's something akin to that it's
0: definitely brushes like well that's what you know it sounds like
1: but the song is still so hard and sick it's it's like it it should not be that good I, i would
0: even say that about taken by surprise too
1: yeah, totally I agreed. Same. You
0: know, anyone else like like any other hardcore band that's like, yo, let's write a hit? You'd be like, oh god! But like in the hands of Poison Idea, it turns out being like a, a pretty fucking raging song.
1: Yeah, the I don't know. I like the, you're you're correct in saying like like this record is just it is brilliant. And I this reissue, I guarantee I'd heard. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Some. Because I, I don't, again, I don't have it. You have the CD. So there's different studio takes, right, of some of the tracks? Just a yeah, couple. Like there's like demos, yeah. So like that stuff I want to hear. I heard snippets of a different, like there's a different guitar part that Tom had played. I can't remember what it was. It must have been, maybe it was Death of an Idiot Blues. Talk about another such a sick song. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. But just like, there's just so many songs on this that are great. Nation of Finks is such a rage or two. Um Oh, they do have the discontent on here, nice, yeah you know, they got discontent,
0: sure. uh, yeah, they got a whole other live set, like that whole show that he's talking about,
1: yeah, the show I don't know. For the hard ons yeah, which is sick the the um but there's a lot there's a lot of little moments on this record that again in in the hands of another group could have gone horribly wrong, and uh they did not it, and it's excellent, yeah, it is excellent, uh all right, so
0: what is a, another point you wanted to get to?
1: Um, let me see here. I loved, absolutely loved. If I didn't like this human being before, I absolutely threw the moon over the Alice in Chains anecdote, which was (laughs) so good. And I have a great amount of friends who this band is like their thing and all respect due. Anyone who heard that, that, Anecdote and didn't think of me just like wanting to like, like whatever fist pump and like total like whatever. (laughs) I I was so so happy to hear it, but yeah, um, I just thought that was a great anecdote. But again, it's the thing I like about Poison Idea too is that you have when you're talking to him about like deep head stuff, like when he brings up Wide Eye and you you kind of lost it. Yeah, and the fact that they were into that. Also, on that note, by the way, I I'm completely with you on this idea and i think we already established this on the record collectors cover and the idea of that as like a as like a flex and like they i'm hard pressed to think of a collective of people who were deeper in the era as a group that performed like there are people that are certainly historically but I don't know, like, I I can't think of a better example offhand, like, that cover really is, like, pretty, you you cannot fuck with it,
0: still. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. It's, I would say, like, you know, and I don't know how deep these guys were into it, but, like, the Pissed Happy Children have that song about, let me come over and see your record collection. Yeah. Um. So I'd like to know how deep into it they were, but, like, you're right, like, who else was fucking chasing down copies of the thick seven inch like who else was like into that stuff at the time it was happening like that that picture at the time was like it would be like me going now and like buying a bunch of records that came out like two years ago and doing an album cover of those records but the thing is like the shit they picked was so good that that holds up
1: yes and i'd never thought despite the very infamous record title kings of punk the idea that perhaps it was not tongue-in-cheek and perhaps it's come to be the reality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like uh, I don't know. I, my Exhibit A is the cover of Record Collectors. And I, you know, if anybody wants to contend this, feel free. Turn out a punk footnote to gmail.com. But even hearing him speak more on it and talking just about them, like, just liking this stuff and that's what they were into and kind of no big deal, you know, and not really, and clearly not mentioning things to get points either. Like that's the other thing to really, really note here. Like there's a lot of people that you would talk to that would give you what you want to hear. Mm -hmm. But at no point does this conversation ever come off like that in both conversations that you have with them. That's my take anyway. But yeah.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. He's, he, uh, he never like pulls any punches, and definitely you know like that's the that's the thing about this guy is like he is that guy to this day, yeah. you know like he he can talk to you about women about why die and then talk about how he has every Smith's record ever
1: <laughs> yes, and he's not me,
0: no no yeah, exactly he's <laughs> he was, like
1: he one of the one of the other people that could probably do that, but yes, <laughs> not you have every Smith's Ford. record uh. No, but I, but I definitely have, like, yeah, far too many. <laughs>
0: I, I, know you had a, I, I knew you were a fan, but I didn't know you had that uh, a, a collection of vinyl.
1: Yeah. I spent well, a while since
0: I've seen your record collection. I don't think I've ever seen it.
1: It's what we do. I've invited you over. It's just never uh, It's never come to be. You know what's going to happen? Next time I come to Great Wolf
0: Lodge, I'm going to sneak over.
1: <laughs> so be it. I'm hang out. I'm, uh, well, it's it's got to be tough for you because you weigh up people's collections against yours and you have an immaculate sort of no collection. no I, I there i am that's the thing
0: about record collecting to me i like the organic nature of record collections and i like yes. and i think there's like there's stuff every time you look in someone's record collection i think that's fine you find that's just like interesting and you have no idea about or like like local stuff and like yeah like there's I don't know. I love anyone's record collection. I find fascinating to go through and just see like what they're into and like how they got there from various points, you know. And everyone's yes. got stories. Like even if you're buying it online, you know, like there's some story about how you heard about that record.
1: Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I'm just being self-deprecating, but yeah. Um, yeah,
0: And I, I know you got fire. I know there's records you have that I don't have. So
1: no, not many. Uh, not many. There, there are, there
0: are a couple. There are a not couple. There's records that any. we yeah, both don't... don't have that we're both looking for, like the Trunk seven inch, but
1: <laughs> like the Witch, sorry,
0: the Trunk seven inch.
1: <laughs> no, that's not on my list. That's it's, on your list.
0: I'm pretty sure it's on both our lists. But anyway, Chris, <laughs> though, I digress.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like the whatever the homies twelve inches exclusively. On uh, there. Juggalo Homies, Chris, as we established, there's another song called so, Homies, yeah, and no. it's not as good yeah. as Juggle Homies.
0: <laughs> I would also say when you when you brought up bells and chains uh rooster that song's all right
1: no that's no, like the juggalo are.
0: homies of alice no. and chains you know like that's no. like the that's like the poser song but the poser <laughs> song is normally like the best song of these bands that are otherwise not my thing
1: i see what you're saying we also did speaking of like w- quick throw out to the mailbag which we will get to with the daves in hopefully a coming week yes but um there was uh, some traction on the poser song topic, and so hopefully we'll get to that. Oh, uh, really? Just, there was just traction? Just the on that?
0: Oh, amazing! Little, I can't wait to get a little back
1: because there's a- so, anyway, yes, to your point, uh, Brewster. I see, I would push back and I would say it would be like whatever, We Die Young, whatever that like the earlier stuff, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't that, uh, oh, that, that's deep cut. Poser song is like the, the band that they're most popular.
0: Like the the oh, moment okay, where they yeah,
1: okay 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 i i misunderstood yeah fair enough then. you know
0: like homies was like the big crossover hit that they had and yeah. uh uh god what's what was uh what's the
1: grateful dead one no, I'll, I'll push back too by. because even man man in a box is the poser song for that band for alice and chains man in box i agree but i think rooster was their biggest hit you might be right, just because it was second, whatever the record after, I believe. But yeah, yeah, I anyway. think it was like the one that went like
0: super platinum.
1: Yeah, if if there are friends of ours that are listening to this, they are screaming at the fact that we don't know this deep cut, Allison Chain stuff or whatever, or not deep cut. But
0: like, well, I think it's like the most mainstream cut possible.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like that we're not telling it like so succinctly because yeah. we collectively do not care ultimately <laughs> but, <coughs> at least I certainly don't but um <coughs> anyway that anecdote ruled that,
0: that was a thing. yeah an amazing story
1: <clears throat> like I also thought the part that
0: <laughs> that is amazing about is like run-ins with with I guess that scene is the Foo Fighter stuff
1: yeah that kind of surprised me uh didn't really surprise me. And I like, you know, no. And
0: also like, I'm not dissing Dave for that either. Like, yo, if someone gave you a shitty review and it was like when you were feeling super vulnerable and that hit with you, then why the fuck should you give that guy a pass later on? (laughs) Even if he is the greatest hardcore vocalist of all time. (laughs) Um,
1: I feel bad about bringing him up so much to
0: him on the, on the Foo Fighters tour though.
1: What do you mean? Oh, you brought okay, – Yeah, oh, like now all the hindsight. time.
0: All the time. I had no idea. So I'm just like, yo, you know was the best singer? though, so, Cherry A.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, in hindsight, that's funny. But yeah, like – um, yeah, I don't know. I That I, – you know, I don't know. It's a nice – it's a funny anecdote I think it's a little, little crazy to me now but that it's still being hung on to. But yeah, fair enough. Grudge is a grudge. So be it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and be fane over, obviously. Yeah, whatever. I mean, like, again, we don't know what the whatever personal interactions of these people have been like over the last thirty years. So perhaps there's more to it. I don't know, but I, you know, on face value, I think it's a little, a little much. But whatever, it's not not me. I I I, uh, I hold a grudge, so I understand it. Have you ever gotten a really bad review on one of your music projects? Oh, I don't know, probably, but I, I don't know, I've never cared that much to, to be invested. I don't have the, I haven't had to have the level of investment that you've had, uh, as an example, or, or other people who've had more serious like groups or whatever. So no, I've, I've never, I don't pay it any mind. Yeah. I think like, I, I will tell you one thing that I've,
0: and this is like, not just talking about myself like this is some of the biggest vocalists i've ever met of all time as illustrated by this story too and i'm not even thinking about him when i'm thinking about this like other people i've met that are very big bands uh they all hold grudges and all the the bad reviews definitely always hit a little bit
1: well i think in this specific instance i think this one holds a little more weight because it's being levied from someone who is of a certain notoriety. Yeah. So like I'm not sure. all
0: the bad reviews, like someone just being like, Oh, you guys suck. It's like, yeah, that. Like, that's not going to hit you. But like someone that takes time and crafts a piece of writing that's there to take you down. I think like, yeah. and I've, and this is once again, this is coming from talking to other, other musicians, other artists, like they get pissed. It, it, it bums them out.
1: Well, and as it Myself should, included that, obviously, well, it's fine like it's fine, but at the same time like there is a level like I don't know. This is a difficult topic for me because I agree with you ultimately, but at the same time I feel like especially within this, you know, whatever underground music largely, you know, speaking, especially of the eras we're discussing, like it's it is what it is. Like people are, have to be discerning and there's lots of underground writing that was not terribly uh whatever, courteous or (laughs) compassionate in terms of like, you know, handling some of this stuff. So, you know, it is what it is. It's par for the course, but I don't know about, you know, for me personally, I just don't know as I grow older, I just think like, this doesn't matter. (laughs) Like, like that's why I don't see hanging on to it, but it's not me. So whatever. Well, yeah, you're not Dave (laughs) Grohl. Yeah, I just think like for me, it's like there's a level, of, there's a level of success that I would have thought would just wipe that away because it, it, to me, you would think that that means you know you've won or what have you, like like symbolically. Yeah, but then you get to the you know, like
0: whatever you want to hold
1: the grudge.
0: I remember reading this interview with Pavement in uh, uh, God, what? Maybe it was no, it wasn't Chunklet, but it was like one of the big zines back in like. The 90s, yeah. right? And they were like talking yeah. about, and I think it was Malcolmist or someone in the band was talking about getting a call from someone they went to high school with and how they were like, can I get tickets to your show? You know, and he was just like, no, they were like not nice to me in high school. So I just was like, I kind of relished in the fact that I couldn't, I didn't give them tickets. And I guess <laughs> that's like, you know, <laughs> cause that's the thing. <laughs> you know, what's the point of being successful? if You can't use to do, extract revenge on all the people that tried to keep you down on the way up. Yeah, sure. I would never block anyone for coming to a fucked up show by the way. Like unless you're like if you're a fascist then yeah, you're 100% blocked. Like a proud boy 100% blocked. Like that stuff 100%. But like yeah. If you're just like, you know, if you wrote a shitty review of us like, you know, I I, I like, you know, it doesn't matter. You can come to the show. Especially if you're the greatest hardcore vocalist of all time.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. So, where? what other point? Do you have a point here we want to get into, other than what we just talked about? Uh no. Like, that was my point. Um,
0: so... Okay, well,
1: we're, I got one to queue up. Go the, on. The idea, of, the idea of Pig's Last Stand as revenge by sub Pop. <laughs> well, speaking of success and revenge, Chris. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, the notion of that, like, okay, so, Pig's Last Stand, obviously a live record or what have you. Um... So the idea is that they, they do it because it's their last concert. Like I don't, I don't really understand the context. Like I don't think that's a bad record.
0: No, it was their last concert. That was meant to be the final show.
1: Gotcha. Which obviously it didn't end up being, but yes, it was supposed to be.
0: It was supposed to be. So like, I guess that's the the joke is they got the death certificate, (laughs) you know, as payback
1: for stealing their McDonald's paycheck. That is, it is the one question I really liked that you asked him was the idea of like being adjacent to the explosion of things that were starting to blow up. I when that, you, go on. Sorry. No, no, go. You, I, know,
0: you I go find on. that, I find that, that one of my most favorite topics to talk about, especially in terms of like the Seattle music scene is like all the bands that existed around it. Cause you have, you know, as we've talked about on the show many times, some of the greatest bands ever in respective genres happening but, like, around them is also this, like, huge explosion. I guess it would be like being in a hardcore band now in Toronto and, and Drake and, and The weekend and, and Party <laughs> Next Door is all exploding. And it's huge, like, huge, huge. Uh, yeah. But, like, these things, I think, are a lot closer sonically and, you know, and if not sonically, at least inspirationally.
1: Well, and I think different to what your analogy points to is that there the things that are exploding are coming from what you came from, you know, more yeah. or less. Yeah. So there's there's a direct similarity, you know, whereas, you know, like Fucked Up and Drake having a different commercial trajectory is not really too much of a shock to people. True. I did know but, 40 in high school, though. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, like, I, I, I just find that... He, he filled a few holes in the in when you asked him that. I'm just trying to remember the ones that I was, but the, I I similarly am intrigued with that too. Because even stuff like we've talked about on the show, like fastbacks, mm-hmm. or like this band, or uh, da, 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 da. Um, but anyway, brotherhood. Th- th- these- yeah, well, Brotherhood, of course. But I think, like, obviously Brotherhood are, have a very, like, unique niche that's very specific. So I kind of get why that never transcended uh, what it did. Poison Idea, like, the length of their career alone and the fact that they, well, not only were they better than some of the groups, to me, that were on sub-pop 100%, but mm-hmm. they just, it just, they just seem to fit. When you think, like, the dwarves were on sub-pop. yeah. Like how, how weren't poison idea? Like, it just seems kind of crazy in hindsight. Cause but, they took uh, the guy's last $10. Yeah. Which is, I guess now we sort of understand why I guess, but yeah. it's, yeah, I don't know. I still think that's, it's unfortunate <laughs> because, you know, like, although, you know, it's cool that like, we must burn came out on vinyl solution or stuff like that. But like, I don't know what, what would have been different? You know what I mean? Like what, uh or actually feel the darkness would have come out likely on sub pop. Yeah.
0: That would have been the thing, right? Like it would have been a record that, you know, like probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have taken off. Right. Like let's be realistic. But at the same time, like it had the potential to, and like maybe wouldn't have taken off certainly to like the Nirvana proportions or the Pearl jam proportions, but like they could be talked about in the same way people talk about like you know, like, or in, in mainstream circles, I mean, like, people talk about mud honey. Yeah, you know, like they could have been yeah. given that because I still think they're like super underrated. Like, they're super, you know, well known and and given their due place in our world, but I think outside of this bubble,
1: they're like kind of unknown still to a lot of people. Yeah, I do. I think it's difficult to assess that in an age where you can access, you know, so many things easily these days. So mm-hmm. I you know, being I guess a bit luddite about it. I agree with you, but I don't know how off base that might be presently. But, but it's just uh, like it's, it's funny
0: cuz maybe it's cuz the the isolation of Portland. But you know, like people
1: you know, you yeah, It could see... be, but going You got to think too like what's blowing up like because wasn't like Elliott Smith in Portland in that era like I know they don't sound anything alike like heat miser and stuff like there was stuff going
0: on Oh there's definitely stuff going on like the wipers. like like, like Yeah all that stuff There's like, there's amazing stuff happening there but it's just it never had the explosion that Seattle had Yeah which true. kind of put C- Seattle on the map right like there's there's like soul jazz compilations of rare grunge stuff
1: Yeah Again, though, I point to the idea though that the dwarves were not from Seattle. No, the dwarves were not, and and still, like
0: you know, and the dwarves are, you know, like they were mainstream music, mainstream music press, mainstream. I should say, yeah. famous when they were on Sub Pop. Yeah, yeah, like that, uh, like that, that death hoax
1: got huge coverage. <laughs> totally, I remember. Yeah, I I vividly remember that. But I think now we have a bit of like again more knowledge as to perhaps why that pairing never happened. But like, the poison idea sub pairing, but like yeah, it's still bizarre that they never it never caught in some other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> because the records are that strong, especially that era's records are you know incredibly strong. So it's just unfortunate, but it it it. it to people like you and I, it makes the catalog so much more interesting in a way.
0: Yeah, no, definitely going through their catalog is always fascinating because there's so much stuff there. And that, once again, that's a huge inspiration for, for fucked up was like trying to have a catalog one day that was like Poison ideas and the Melvins too, but like the, both
1: those bands. Well, I think you've exceeded. You've you've definitely yeah. If you combine both, you're there. <laughs> right, no, we're, we're not close certainly. to the Melvins still. <coughs> oh, I think you are,
0: dude. Okay, I'm going to go with the resource. I think the Melvins got to be. They got to be close to the most entries on the cogs.
1: And you have a lot, man. I had to go through it recently to double check what records of yours I didn't have. I got a bunch the other day that I didn't have, including like the third
0: man record, like all this stuff that I'm like, Oh shit, we did that. Okay. The Melvins yeah. have 170 releases. Um, that's albums, singles, compilations, videos, miscellaneous. They have 102 singles, right? Let's see what fucked yeah. up. Sad.
1: Well, less.
0: Yeah. Way less. Let's see Not what
1: way less, but less.
0: I'm curious now.
1: I don't believe this singles number. For it said the release since 79 yeah we have 54 singles
0: that makes sense
1: i feel like it should be more than that but
0: we definitely don't have 11 albums so there's something wrong with this album oh because they have they have uh the two live records in there they have yeah. david's town in there they yeah. have the third man record they have zanzibar on there okay they have the other live record they've got all the live records
1: Point being, though, you're, albums. You're, you're, you're yes, you're okay. You have not reached the Melvin's level of output, but I would argue that based on your years, you're you're doing pretty good. So, thanks, Chris. We got a
0: ways to go, though, buddy.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> a ways to go. Uh, all right. Uh, any more points you want to get to?
1: I'm just trying to think of things real quick. I'm pretty good, but uh, I feel like. Well, the Animal House anecdote was amazing. Yeah, the Animal um, House.
0: It's, it's one of those things where you're like, damn, like, it's also, you know, like, it, it's one of those things where it's like, damn, what? that must have been a hard party.
1: Yeah, I was trying to think, too, like, who are the hardest partying bands? And I was thinking, well, you were, you were saying, like, I'm sure there's a good number of them, but you were saying, like, you were the most fitting band to play that, that house, what have you. And I do believe that's probably quite true. But another group I was thinking of was like Murphy's Law, yeah, something like that. And have Murphy's Law and Poison Idea ever played together? I wonder. Cool. I don't know. Let's see what happens when you play that into Google. That's yeah. a crazy and, idea. And what would like? What was that like?
0: <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they played with any of the New York bands. They must have, because like you figure one of those bands would have come through, right? Yeah. Um. 'Cause like they they just seem like such a huge presence. I wonder how that would have gone. Yeah. I'm not really seeing anything show. If anyone has any flyers, if you're listening to this, you got a flyer for this thing. If there was one. If they yep. did play together back in the day, let it, please send it in.
1: Yep. That just came to mind as as that was being spoken about. I thought, wow, I wonder if they ever played together. Wonder if like that ever that that meeting of minds ever happened
0: no but there is a murphy's law and uh, none of the above show <laughs> what's this poisoned tour dates
1: oh another thing that we didn't get into real quick is the the whole performance art thing yeah that was, that was amazing like that is a, like it's obviously like a humorous thing in hindsight but i get what he means by like not you know having a bill of like the same sounding groups mm-hmm yeah, I definitely get that, and it would have been,
0: it would have been wild to get like a performance art thing would be a really cool thing to have open for you. Granted, maybe not a cow brains piece. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's a here's a dude. Look at this show: Agnostic Front, Poison Idea, Lockjaw.
1: Which Portland Lockjaw? I take
0: it. Yeah, Satirical. Uh, no Buffalo Lockjaw.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. There's probably more than one Lockjaw, but I'm definitely <laughs> definitely the, definitely. the, the definitely. show that anyway. happened in Portland. I yeah,
0: happened in Portland. Okay, yeah. Dude, the flyer is so sketch. <laughs> <laughs> it's a skinhead ogling a punk woman. <laughs> oh. Oh. It's uh yeah, gnarly. Uh there's I'm trying to think if there's any see if there's any other oh Battalion of Saints Adrenaline O D poison idea. E <laughs> thirteen.
1: Wow. Good bill.
0: I've seen this one a lot. DRI, poison idea, septic death.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um,
0: God, circle jerks, (laughs) necros, poison idea. Hmm. Please, what's this one? Crazy.
1: Still no evidence of Murphy's Law, so I'm curious about that. Anyone knows.
0: There was a Murphy's Law in the Dicky show at City Gardens. (laughs) That did come up in my search, too. Wow. This podcast should just eventually just become me and you just reading flyers that we see on the internet and speculating how sh- fun that show would have been.
1: <laughs> I think largely there is a lot of that that happens. In there the is a lot of that.
0: Yeah, speaking of which, Mud Honey opening for Poison Idea. Wow, Not a flyer, way back when.
1: Anyway, that's bizarre. I wonder what that would have
0: been. That would. I guess maybe early '90s, early '90s, right? Because they would have been in Green River in the '80s. Oh
1: yes, good point. Yeah, I don't know. That just seems like that. I always just when you these kind of like Mudhoney bands like that, I always just assumed had like a a pretty big following like out of the gate for whatever reason.
0: I think they did, but I think they still like you know had to ramp up to get to that point, maybe. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Oh, there's a have, there's an anthrax flyer. It's poison idea, seizure, and dirge.
1: Oh, at first I thought you said siege. I was hearing you wrong. Oh, that'd like, be wow, incredible. Poison idea in Siege? That'd be insane. That would be amazing. Uh, Seizure's I like Seizure a lot though. Yeah, but I'm just thinking of the personalities in Siege. <laughs> yeah. Um but uh yeah, crazy.
0: Uh all right, I could go on forever reading all these flyers, so let's move on to something.
1: Yeah, Nick Harvey anecdote was incredible and also the very classic example of never meet your heroes, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, um,
0: I could see that too because those guys are like, especially in Australia, like, and in England too, like practically royalty.
1: I I mean, yeah, uh, you know, uh, deservedly, but. There's still uh, no reason to
0: treat people like shit, but.
1: Oh, no, no, I agree with you there. Yeah, absolutely. But and it's just... Uh,
0: wrong guy to fuck with on that one.
1: Well, yeah, and like, what? That's a bad idea. <laughs> that's just a bad idea.
0: Also, Mick Harvey's a poser for not knowing who Poison ID are. <laughs> just, just saying. <laughs> I don't care if you run the poison next door.
1: <laughs> I like that that's a 2018 judgment of Damien's. I like that. That's like a classic Damien judgment.
0: <laughs> it's your fault for not knowing who Poison ID
1: are. i really hope that somehow you eventually meet him and that becomes like a point of contention that's like the only thing i say no dude
0: if i met i would try to get him on this podcast and then i'd spring it on him
1: yeah i mean though like he hears about it
0: somehow yeah There's this podcast where the guy said you were a poser because you didn't know who Poison an was. <laughs> that's one example. See, Chris, that's going to get back to him and then we'll see because he's going to hold it against me for the rest of my life. A Dave Grohl, a like all these other people <laughs> to show you the critiques go there.
1: Well, we'll see. We'll see. I have a feeling he doesn't listen.
0: Uh, he might not listen. No,
1: I, I'm not 100% sure on that, but he might not listen. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. There's, there's so much to get into, but those were all the ones that jumped out offhand. Um, um, I love the I love the fact that, you know, hard ons are a band that I don't know. We've talked about
0: on the shore before.
1: We have very, very briefly. And they're a band I've never gotten into, but I do like I'm aware of them. But, they are,
0: uh, they are incredible. Like a, a band that I actively collect have most of their records. Uh, it got to see them play one time in Australia. And it's, for, it's funny because they they did nearly break through.
1: Well, what I don't – so they had him – so he just filled them on vocals? I was trying – like that's the only – No, they, know about that group.
0: They, they were like – they were over in Australia. They're still over in Australia. But like at that point, I guess they were like, like kind of mainstream-ish popular to the point that on the Big Day Out Festival, they had like this – they would play almost every year I think for a while and they would bring in different – Vocalists, and so they one year they did Rollins, and then one year they did, um, the I guess the next year they did Jerry A. and they would do EPs with them too. Like there's a oh, okay. there's a hard on EP that Jerry A. sings on. I think is it on gone too, F- too far gone? Maybe he sings on it, and then there's yeah, I think it's too far gone, and it was produced by the Slayer hippie or the Slayer hippie does backing vocals, and, and produced it. Okay. So, um, so yeah, like they, they did this record with him and then the year before they did one with Rollins too.
1: Weird. So what was the, like, again, like, so the, these are just like limited, uh, like whatever EP type things or like, what's the, uh, these were like, I don't think they were limited. Like that, the
0: one that he did for poison idea, uh, there's tons of, there's like, uh, like there's Skeen did a pressing, like there's like Waterfront did a pressing. There's like a bunch of different pressings all over the world. And I think the Henry Rollins one's not limited either. Cause you see used to, well, at least you used to see it all the time. It's a, it's got the a picture of Rollins on the cover and then it says Henry Rollins. And then it says hard ons in like small font too.
1: Yeah. But the, what I meant is like, they had a lineup that obviously didn't include these people. So this oh, yeah. is like a, uh, Whatever, like a, I don't know how to phrase it, like a like a one off thing, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. They did like they they just have these guys in for like I guess do one one off shows with them. Crazy. They have yeah like an incredible discography. Talk about a band that put out a lot of records. Uh, they have
1: yeah, there's a ton of like I didn't think they'd have this many LPs.
0: Yeah, I still don't have like a lot of their. I want I still don't have their first LP. So that's definitely on my want list.
1: Either way, very cool.
0: Um, great band, hilarious uh, anecdote there, uh, story. One thing I'm noticing here, Chris, right now uh, on that "Too Far Gone" EP that they did with the Slayer hippie,
1: yeah.
0: Do you see who actually engineered it and recorded it?
1: Uh, I'm trying to find it here. I couldn't find it. So I'm going back. No, it's an EP? Yeah, it's, I
0: think it's the dude from the Dandy Warhols. Tony Lash. Oh, it, no, maybe he no? just produced Andy Warhol stuff.
1: I don't know. Let me see. Well, that would make sense, though, because it's Portland. Whoa, he was in
0: Heatmeister. Heatmeiser. Yeah. And he was in Dandy Warhols.
1: So that's what it, it's just. They obviously did it in Portland. Yeah, they so, did it in Portland. So it seems like they had all the whatever. Damn, we gotta get
0: this guy on the show sometime.
1: He's got a lot of uh, crazy credits.
0: Uh, yeah, he played on a lot of different stuff. A lot hmm. of uh, you know, but he also played in a bunch of Poison. He was in a Poison ideal lineup.
1: Oh, cool.
0: Played on only on Alan's on Fire. It looks like, and then played on two songs on Official Bootleg one song of pajama party. Anyway, sorry. I'm getting a little distracted right now, Chris. I think it's probably time for us to uh, wrap this up unless there's any more points you want to get to tonight.
1: No, man, I'm good. I, uh, I think we covered a whole bunch, so I hope people were happy with it the way, uh, I think you and I were certainly.
0: Yeah. I think this was a, a fun talk, a good catch up for the two of us. Uh, thank you everyone who sent, well wishes and condolences, um, and everything to the fam. Uh, it's been obviously uh, a pretty difficult time, but thank you for, you know, listening. And uh, this thing's a great escape for me. And I appreciate you, Chris, getting on here and letting me kind of zone out for a bit and just talk about music. Ah,
1: no worries, man. You know, I'm here.
0: Uh, but I think that's it. Uh, and we will see you next week on the show. Next week on the show, we will be talking about the Jesse Brown Candleland episode. Candleland episode, sorry, Jesse Brown of Candleland's episode, which is an awesome one. Chris, there's going to be a lot for you to dig into on this one. There's a lot of cool no. stuff
1: that comes up. Nice uh, one. Uh, yeah. One tidbit I hope, like uh, just to shout out here, is your band is playing a benefit that you might want to mention as well. Oh yeah, but I, I, yeah, we should,
0: I guess, promote. That when is that thing? That is December twenty second. The December twenty second, Toronto. We are going to be playing with our friends in Mets. I'm just trying to get the and which prophet um, and uh Meg from U.S. Girls going to be DJing. Uh, who's an uh, amazing band as well, and it's a benefit for the Toronto Overdose Prevention Society. Uh, All the proceeds will be donated to them. It's going to be at the Opera House. You can get tickets now. I think the tickets are on sale. Uh, There are uh, other acts that are going to be added as we get closer to it. Some other surprises will be there. But this is going to be a fun event for an incredibly good cause. Uh, There's been a lot of unnecessary deaths because of – just, just what's going on right now? We have an opioid crisis happening, and instead of criminalizing people and stigmatizing people, and just, just trying to ignore what's going on and and turn people away, you know, this is a amazing organization that's trying to provide safe spaces for people to to use things that they're, they're obviously in need of because of their situation uh, that they found themselves in, but also at the same time, like there's fentanyl, there's all these things that are going around that could be tainting what they're doing. And this is a organization that makes sure that people are safe while they're doing what they need to do to survive. So we are very happy to support this organization as they kind of gear up. It looks like to kind of do a little bit of battle with the Ontario government to make sure that Doug Ford, who yes, Rob Ford's brother, uh, is now in charge of implementing, policy. And, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm not laughing because of anything to do with, with Rob Ford. I'm laughing because, you know, for this guy to be in charge of, of something that's going to save people's lives, doesn't give a lot of people hope, but, uh, we are going to see what happens. So we are going to hope and support this organization in their fight because Toronto overdose prevention society has undoubtedly saved tons of lives already and will save tons more. Um, but that's it. I think that's, uh, yeah, please, uh, come out and see us and, and enjoy that show. December 22nd. Maybe I'll even get the old, uh, Santa suit out. <laughs> nice. You know, maybe we'll do a, 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 a proper event. We'll do other things too. Like bring a can of food, get some merch thing or something like that. We'll, we'll, we'll make that like a real, real cool event. Um, so that's coming up. You're going to be that you're going to come that,
1: Chris. Yeah, certainly.
0: Okay, that'd be cool. We going to hang out. Maybe we'll do a footnotes that night.
1: <laughs> sure.
0: it be the second. Maybe we'll do uh, a footnotes because it'll be the second time this year we've graced the opera house stage.
1: <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Forgot
0: opera right, house yeah. headliners here.
1: <laughs> well, that's more you than me. Yeah.
0: No, I mean I mean the podcast is the, the you know, turn Punk Footnotes, Opera's Headliners.
1: We, yeah. Even though we didn't
0: technically headline the Dinosaur Jr. show, we know why people were there.
1: <laughs> sure.
0: All uh, right. That is it for tonight. Go out there, make your own culture, uh, and stay safe, everyone. Tell the people around you you love them. Uh, sign your organ donor cards, please. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you.